podcast is brought to you by CEW Plus at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor as we work to serve our community during this unprecedented time of change. Resiliency is best demonstrated in times of challenges. Join CEW Plus Director Tiffany Mara as she talks to students, staff, faculty, and community members connected to the University of Michigan's Center for the Education of Women Plus in our podcast, Strength in the Midst of Change. Today's podcast features Elizabeth Story, who is an undergraduate student of sociology in the College of Literature, Science, and the Arts. Elizabeth is a 2020 recipient of the Lucille B. Conger CEW Scholarship, recognizing outstanding women pursuing undergraduate studies at the University of Michigan. Elizabeth, welcome to the Strength in the Midst of Change podcast. Can you please introduce yourself and tell me a bit about your educational focus and career goals? Yes. Hi. I'm Elizabeth Story. I am a non-traditional student. I'm 44 years old, and my major is sociology with some major of social work, and my eventual goal is to obtain a master's in social work degree, which I will then use to go into private practice counseling. Yeah, how did you decide upon this as a potential career? Initially, it was through caregiving with my father, who had Alzheimer's, and all of the interactions that I had with all of the amazing social workers during that almost decade-long experience. The social workers, to me, really stood out, and they provided so much care, not only for my father, but to me. So that was really a pivotal point where I realized what I should be doing (laughs) when I grow up. So that is when I realized, you know, really what I wanted to do, but it was just really a matter of, first of all, timing, and then fear. I was scared of what it would look like to re-enter the college experience at my age. When were you last in school, if you don't mind me asking? That was about 20 years ago. When my son was very little, I went back for a brief time. And at that time, I lived in Ohio. And I went to Ohio State. And I completed a few semesters. And then life took me in another direction for a little while. So for actually 20 years. (laughs) So, yeah, there was quite a long gap in between educational experiences. Yeah, now any of the true diehard bleed blue U of M folks are going to be thinking, we got one. <laughs> A convert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so funny. My family is from Ohio. My husband's family is from Michigan. And so I get a lot of teasing at, from some of my family about where I go to college now. And I'm like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> when you initially found out that you were a recipient of the Lucille B. Conger Scholarship, what was your initial reaction? I was surprised. And I was also extremely honored and grateful because this, to me, symbolizes a village of support that I haven't always had. And I sort of used the analogy 
that, you know, they say that it takes a village to raise a child. And it does. But adults still need that village of support. It's going to look different. It's going to change. But everyone still needs that support network that will sort of embrace you, encourage you, and lift you higher and just, you know, be there to support your successes. And for me, that's what this gift represents is this amazing network of support that, you know, just a year ago, I couldn't have even imagined had I not decided to take this leap of faith and come back to school, I wouldn't be here right now and I wouldn't be the recipient of this, you know, most amazing blessing through the scholarship and through the opportunity to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. You know, being at the university in this particular era, you can only imagine as a student it's just so different because your classes are virtual and lots of people aren't even in town. Right now in particular, with students being off campus and being able to find community being more difficult, you had mentioned, you know, a village of support and the emotional support that the CEW scholarship represents. What aspects of community do you think are most important right now as so much stuff is virtual? The aspects of community that are just so important are the connection. That's vital to our mental well-being. You know, even though that we can't really convene in person, just reaching out and establishing those connections with people and with groups are just absolutely imperative during this time. A question I commonly ask participants is about self-care, which a lot of us, you know, neglect while we're taking care of others. Have you had any strategies for your own self-care over the past, you know, gosh, we're going on six months now? Yes, absolutely. I, I haven't always been the best model for self-care. I learned really through my caregiving role with my dad how important self-care actually is. So throughout quarantine, my strategies were and are meditation. I meditate, I exercise, I enjoy walking, reading, just anything that you can sort of do that will enhance your mental well-being and physical well-being and is just for you in that moment. A lot of people think that it's kind of selfish, but it's actually not because it makes you a more healthy, well-rounded person that is more able to show up for others in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. Are there particular websites or tools that you use when you meditate? Yes, I use the app Insight Timer. That's my favorite. I use it every day. I meditate at least once a day, and that's in the morning, sometimes twice a day. So sometimes I'll meditate once in the morning and then before I go to bed at night because it helps me sleep because I used to have insomnia. So that's really helped that as well. Just sort of clears your mind and you can release your worries easier. I'd imagine being a caregiver, you know, in the sandwich generation with children and elders, you've experienced a lot and you've accomplished a lot, not only professionally, but in your personal life. 
When you look back over your accomplishments to date, can you think of a few time points that you're particularly proud of? Yes. I would say the three times that stand out for me that I'm most proud of. The first being in 2002, I found myself in an abusive marriage and I left and I started over with absolutely nothing except my four-year-old son. And that I am most proud of because that took an immense amount of strength to break free from. If anyone's ever been in that position, you know that it is not an easy thing to leave. And many women will go back many, many times before they are able to, to leave for good. So that I am very proud of. And then the next time point for me that I'm proud of is a span of eight years, and that was in 2008 to 2016, I became the guardian and sole caregiver to my father, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And during that time, it was bittersweet. We had almost a decade of one-on-one time together but it was heartbreaking and hard to have the roles reversed and I basically became his parent. But during that time, he taught me a lot about unconditional love and uh, selflessness. And then the third point that stands out for me that I'm most proud of is in 2018 to 2019 is really when I finally decided to go back to school. Before that, I knew and I had talked a lot about wanting to pursue my education, but I was scared. I was scared for many reasons, and I always seemed to have excuses to talk myself out of being able to just make that leap of faith and go for my dreams. So it was during that time that I finally just kind of overcame myself and got out of my own way and decided to let my faith be bigger than my fears. As I listen to your story, I have to imagine, you know, what an amazing role model you've been for your son. Removing him and yourself from an abusive relationship and now going back to school, that's all quite remarkable and him watching you take care of your dad as well um, going through his own health crisis yes that's quite amazing thank you what are your hopes for this upcoming year in school Uh, my hopes are to like many stay healthy keep my family healthy I have a son a daughter and I'm married and then we have three dogs and cats (laughs) (laughs) so my primary goal is just to ensure our safety and our health and our well-being. Beyond that, I'm hopeful to remain online for possibly one more semester just because of COVID. But then then after that, I, being that this is my first semester and I'm not actually physically on campus, I still need to learn my way around (laughs) campus. (laughs) So that's also a goal for me is just to sort of learn the way of the land and then really just enjoy 
most awesome journey that I find myself on at this point of midlife. I've had a lot of people, you know, kind of joke saying that I'm going through a midlife crisis. And I joke back and I say the first part of my life was actually the crisis. If this is a midlife crisis, then bring it because I'm thoroughly enjoying this gift of learning. I've taught college classes and it's really interesting when you have diversity of student experiences in the classroom. What I found is that those who have gone to the workforce, who have raised families, they bring such intention to the learning that it really enhances the classroom for everybody. Or veterans, I mean athletes, the perspective is just so unique that as an instructor it's really rewarding to have it in the classroom. So I'm really glad you've decided to come to U of M and you're sharing your experiences with the rest of campus. It's so important. Thank you. You know, what's one thing you wish you could tell your peers? At this moment, given, you know, where we are still in the pandemic, I would say to just please practice COVID safety precautions. Because if we can all just sort of come together and cooperate, we can get through this much faster and more safely. And then we can all, you know, come back together. And nothing really replaces, you know, that connection that can be had face-to-face. But we still have to be, you know, wearing masks and practicing other safety precautions with social distancing. And hopefully this will be a distant memory soon. What's the first place you're looking forward to experiencing in person on campus? the library, although it's intimidating because I've heard that people get lost in there, (laughs) but probably the library because I'm a book lover and my son did take me in there pre-pandemic and it was quite something to behold, but also he was with me guiding me, so I wasn't left to my own devices. So that I'm looking forward to. I will just need maybe my GPS on (laughs) in order to find my way back out. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And hopefully one of these days we'll be able to have a community event in person at CEW. I'm looking forward to that again, getting to interact with students. I think that's the hardest part. Yes, and I'm actually really looking forward to being involved with CEW in many ways. So I feel like I have found my people. <laughs> so <laughs> <That's good. laughs> everyone that I've talked to through the CEW has been amazing. Yeah, it's a really quite an amazing group of staff. The passion for the work that we do, it's so visceral that I think that comes through pretty clearly, regardless of who you talk to. Yeah, Elizabeth, thank you again for your time. Yeah, I, I feel honored to have spoken to you and to get to learn a little bit more about you. I look forward to when we can actually meet in person. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to CEW's podcast, Strength in the Midst of Change. To learn more about this episode or the services and virtual programming offered by CEW+, please visit cew.umich.edu. Here at CEW+, we navigate circumstantial barriers by providing academic, financial, and professional support to help you reach your personal potential. Established to support women through higher education, we lift up women and all underserved communities at the University of Michigan and beyond. Through career and education counseling, funding, 
workshops, events, and a diverse, welcoming community, we exist to empower. We are CEW Plus, and we are here to help you reach your potential. The University of Michigan resides on the traditional territories of the three fires peoples, the Ojibwa, Odawa, and Potawatomi. 